0: And welcome back to Legend of the Glorio Heroes, your premier source for the hottest takes on the legendary 1988 science fiction OVA. Speaking of hot takes, uh, it is hot here in uh, in, our, in our in our little corner of the galaxy where uh, where we are recording. So, uh, Man, it's
1: only getting hotter.
0: Yes, yes. So, uh, if this podcast ends up being a little short, that's only because of our desperate desire to avoid heat stroke. On the other hand, it's such a interesting trio of episodes that, you know, who can really say. As always, I'm your host, G, and with me, as always, is my reliable co-host, Iro.
1: Yep, I'm still here. 76 to 78 episodes into the show, I'm still here. Yes.
0: Yes, I thought you were going to say degrees. I was like, no, it is much higher than that.
1: Uh, maybe seventy six centigrade.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know the, these are these are the sacrifices we make for our lovely listeners. You know, we can't have the AC or the fans running in the background would get in the way of our uh, our dulcet tones and our you know clearly god tier uh, audio production values. So. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, with all that taken care of, we should just get rolling right into it. Yeah,
1: uh, uh, we're, uh, in episode 76, Eve of the Festival, we open up with Mecklinger, good old Admiral Mecklinger, uh, before he leaves Odin. He's having dinner with his, uh, his co-workers, Kessler and Valen. Yes, they're
0: kind of just having a nice
1: little dinner party, (laughs) little little get-together. Uh-huh
0: kind of talk and shop, you know, uh Kessler's Mechliners.
1: Kessler's uh admiring this bizarre piece of art with, yes. a, with a skeleton man with Texas on his shirt. Like yes, holding a, a thing
0: like it's an odd painting to say the least <laughs> uh but McCliner informs us all that sadly it is not, the the original was destroyed and this is merely a reproduction. Right. That uh, many pieces of priceless art were destroyed during the, uh, I guess the Lipstadt, uh you know, to do. Um,
1: but he saved quite a lot of the originals. Um, yes, yes. But uh, soon he will tire of regular art and uh, start collecting the war records of yes. Kaiser Reinhard and yes. the magician Yang Lee. Li.
0: The most, the most delicious piece of art of all. <laughs> Um, the human being. Yes, yes, the human condition. Uh, this is kind of an interesting conversation because it's basically all three of them kind of like admitting their mutual admiration for Yang Wenli, like, you know, in that way that like rivals often do, you know, like they're talking about like, you know, you know that Yang Wenli, that magician, the, the only man in the galaxy who can rival, you know, our glorious leader in, mm-hmm. in tactical and strategic prowess you know mecklinger points out that like yang has done the unthinkable in over a 100 years he has completely upended the status quo of izerlone you know that that prior to yang wen lee izerlone was not like izerlone was not a tactical piece on the board izerlone was a was a constant you know yeah like the idea was like the sun rises the sun falls grass grows birds flies and izerlone has never fallen like, that was just, like, it, to the, the point where, you know... unstoppable
1: bulkhead of the, uh... Yeah. Of the Empire.
0: Like, just an assumed, like, piece of the furniture... You know, an assumed piece of furniture in the landscape of, like, FPA and, like, Empire politics. And that Yang is the one who turned alone into this fucking revolving door of yes, occupations. Yes, a ball
1: that's passed back and forth between the teams.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and they also talk about how, um... You know, Mecklinger points out that uh, we're actually leaving Odin surprisingly unguarded. Yeah, uh, well,
1: Kessler is going to be the only admiral remaining in Imperial space, basically. Yes. former, yes. formerly Imperial space. Yes, uh, they
0: kind of, they kind of, they at least, they at least, they at least pay lip service to the idea that well, Yang could break past Mecklinger and make a you know a beeline for Odin you know, maybe try to kidnap Anna Rose and use her for, like, right. you know, uh, uh, a leverage. And I think that, like, the admirals eventually arrive at the conclusion that, like, Young might not do that, but the reality remains that somebody could.
1: Right. Which like, is important because Kaiser Reinhardt still is not a uh, sired an heir in any yes, way. Yes, yes. And Anna so Rose, technically tec- next yeah. to the
0: line. yeah. Um, Kind of continuing the plot line of everybody in the Empire being like, man, Reinhardt really needs to get laid. Like, <laughs> like, everybody is kind of just waiting on bated breath for him to finally show an interest in girls. <laughs> but, uh, you know, without Kirky Eyes there to kind of guide him along the way. Okay, who so, can yeah. say? But uh, they also talk about uh, some, some, some internal uh, Empire politics. Uh, yeah. they, they, they speak of one, Carl Black who is uh, noted to be a little bit of a problem because uh, he's a civilian, you know, kind of a civilian sector uh, bureaucrat or politician. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been complaining about Reinhardt's excessive spending on the military.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's just more war, more war, more war. Yeah. More people dying in war and uh, yes. less money going towards, you know, public works and yeah administration purposes
0: right and like without knowing the man himself it's hard to say how much of this is like genuine or how much of this is political rhetoric but it does bring up a good point that there are at least there are at least voices being people are beginning to voice their concerns about reinhardt's warmongering like reinhardt's warmongering remains very popular because he keeps winning but like it still costs, you know, huge amounts of manpower, huge amounts of money. I mean, we saw this with the FPA. We saw this. We saw this with the FPA's inevitable collapse. Like they kept, you know, conscripting like young, talented individuals into the military, where they were unable to contribute their skills to like the, civi- the uh, civilian and civic sector. And like how, sure, this might not seem like a big deal immediately because, like, you know, civil engineers working on like sewer pipes doesn't necessarily affect the war effort but it does have a long-term effect i mean yeah in many ways how much do we want to assume that an event that happens later in this show on mm. is in fact maybe because of the fpa's <laughs> shoddy civic workmanship because of like how drained their uh, civic sector was right like right and so, like, it's a pretty minor point they bring up here, you know, I don't, you know, mean to, like, harp on it too much, but I do think it is interesting that, like, again, Reinhard keeps winning, so, like, it's not like this is, like, some kind of, like, in- indication of, like, oh, there's, like, growing resentment against the Empire, but it-, it, is an, it is an example of, like, people beginning to say, hey, you're starting to fight a lot of wars that I'm not even sure are necessary, and, like, maybe this money could be better spent, there's yeah. at least that idea is beginning to be propagated amongst the empire,
1: and they bring up the possibility that uh, whether or not Blacka's concerns are founded, it's possible he is an agent of uh, someone else. To uh indeed, so discord, such as perhaps uh, the Earth cult, the Terraists, yes, and, uh, yes. and Volan uh-huh. notes that uh, or, if uh... they were out for out for blood, he'd probably be pretty high on the list after bombing their HQ.
0: Yes, yes. Well, it kind of brings up the good point of uh, he was already their target once, you know, that I'm sure they're certainly willing to
1: try again. And uh, Kessler decides to excuse himself because he still has to deal with Job Trunet.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: unfortunately
0: for bring, all of bring us. Bring that name
1: back up. It's been a while. Job
0: Trunet still exists. He has not been... You know, fucking permanently imprisoned for life or executed for crimes against humanity. That man has been allowed to subsist, you know, like a parasite on, on the blood of the empire. But, um. Yeah.
1: And so, uh, we head to Heinesen. Yes. Where, you know, uh, Reinhardt is rung his Emil bell and Emil's helping him get to bed.
0: Yes, yes. And they uh, also state that Reinhardt has at this point specifically has not actually come to a decision right. on Roenthal yet like he is still debating what to do with Roenthal. Mm-hmm. but uh that yeah. quickly changes because all of a sudden there is an explosion right yes. outside of reinhard's uh i guess his uh, where he's staying on mm-hmm. on Heinison.
1: and he insists that he t- changes of pajamas before fleeing yes otherwise reinhard still
0: Yes, Reinhardt insists it would look silly if the Kaiser were seen to be fleeing Emile, the palace in pajamas. So and yes. it,
1: and he gives his robe to Emil.
0: Yes, it's it's very it's very silly, but it is also a very Reinhardt thing to do. Uh, but yes, they and get up. This is a
1: fucking crazy fire. <laughs>
0: yeah, this gets this is at first what you know like like yeah so like what seems to be a terrorist attack uh, is a giant fire that has just spread throughout all of hyneson uh, the right. city uh, spe- specifically kind of kind of just, just like the fire like like water is just like rushing through the streets just oh, incinerating everything yeah, in its path we
1: got people jumping into the ocean yeah it's
0: it's some real like it's some real fucking uh shit it's some real It's some real shit. Uh, Just like people, like just you know, completely annihilated. It's it's, it's uh,
1: eighteen thousand square kilometers were destroyed.
0: Yes, yes, and uh, the aftermath is uh, is equally interesting. They 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 point out
1: a quick uh, thing is as they're going through this information, we get a view of like a bunch of people, like relief stations set up at a at a stadium. And we get we uh, yes. a statue of Jessica Edwards. Yes, who, uh, who
0: has been uh, memorialized, apparently, by the FPA for, uh, you know, her efforts in the name yeah. of democracy, Just which like, is a real fucking I don't slap know, in man. the face. Yeah, Just,
1: like, yes. I, so, man. I don't know.
0: I, I, I think it's kind of an insult, the idea that the FPA would honor Jessica Edwards retroactively, like 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 they de- the FBA did not deserve Jessica Edwards like they they truly did not like it was the know. coup
1: d'etat forces that 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 shot her right like
0: yes yes but like in many ways like it, it was the FPA I don't know like yes on one hand you are correct that it was the the coup the coup d'etats forces but also like just the FPA and the, like because the idea that this this statue was likely like erected like probably like, post vermilion like in my head i imagine this is statues erected like post vermilion <laughs> like post like labello coming into power and like the idea of like the same fba that prosecuted yang to the point of their own self destruction would like erect a statue to honor jessica edwards who fought in the name of like liberal democracy is like I don't know. I, I want I, I, I want to imagine it's a nice little gesture, the tiny like indication that maybe the FPA actually did care. But there's also a part of me that has just lost so much faith in like the once and former FPA. Whatever. Like, for I to, care
1: like, about Jessica Edwards.
0: <laughs> yes, of course I care about Jessica Edwards. I'm just pointing out that like I don't know. Like it's nice to see her remembered, but also like I can't even like I can't even tell if it's a genuine like gesture or not anymore. But uh, but yeah, uh, uh,
1: there was a lot of stuff going on during that fire. Lots of people died. Um, a lot of imperial soldiers died. They know because they were unfamiliar with you know the geography of the city. Yes. So and what so- we get
0: next is kind of uh, an interesting like list of basically the. Events of the aftermath of the fire. So, yes, as kinda noted, like a lot of Imperial soldiers were killed, which lends credence to this idea that it was a, you know, FPA, you know, remnants terrorist attack. However, because a large number of the buildings destroyed were like historical, like FPA architecture, this led credence to the idea that perhaps this was an Empire false flag designed to, like, you know, stamp out the old infrastructure and build, you know, build the new, like, the new empire, you know, you know, structures in their place. And eventually they re- they reveal that actually the Great Fire in this situation was uh, purely an
1: accident. That, uh, yes. There was a Zephyr particle generator underground yes. or something. It says yes. that the, uh, the Alliance had given to private interests for mining reasons. Yes, yes. So, you and know, that, capitalism... Uh, uh, Fixes everything yet again. Exactly, exactly. Capitalism has totally never ever
0: explicitly killed people. <laughs> but uh yeah, so despite this, despite the fact that nobody was actually to blame, the Empire decided that they did they needed some kind of like tangible scapegoat. And they decided that who better than the patriotic nightcore, who if you'll remember are Trunit's goons that attacked Edwards and Yang, you mm-hmm. know, all the way Damn back it. in season one. Yeah. And uh we we'll get a, basically like, just
1: cracked down on them. Yeah, some quick exposition that by the way, they're affiliated with the Earth Cult, as if we did yes. not realize that. As yes, now.
0: yes. And I, I'm I'm of mixed feelings about this scene. Because on one hand, fuck the PKC, like mm-hmm. they, they're getting exactly what they deserve. On the other hand, maybe this is like a bit of my inner Yang speaking here, but it speaks to a dangerous precedent that, you know, <laughs> as Yangs want to worry about, it, it, Reinhardt is setting a dangerous precedent here that leadership can just like
1: crack down. Basi- basically sanction,
0: <laughs> like, basically sanction, like, uh, illegally sanctioned killings of like undesirable, like, organizations. Uh, should they like, arrest, you know, uh, elicit the ire of the people in power? Like, I'm not trying to defend the PKC, believe me. But like, the idea that Reinhardt did not crack down on the PKC, because I don't know, because they're fascist, like fucking like bootlickers, but instead because like... They just oh, they, they decided they needed a scapegoat
1: for the fire
0: is like it it, it 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 very much feels to me all the wrong reasons to crack like, down. They
1: literally say like the MPs chose the PKC from among several candidates, right? Like the idea that like, oh they could have picked from multiple people
0: and they picked the one that like just you know happened was to be <laughs> like deeply unpopular. So like. Again, you know, it's it, it is it, it is a thing of like Reinhardt is technically doing like like if you want to get into the whole like objectivist morality thing, is Reinhardt technically doing the like objectively moral thing of removing the PKC from the world? Yes, but he is also doing it for all the wrong reasons, which again, it's like when he had um he had the FPA officers from last week's episodes uh, executed. Like, again, those guys were fuckboys. They deserved it. But also, like, without trial sets what, again, I feel is a dangerous precedent. But, uh, in addition to the crap down on the PKC, uh, make sure to note that, uh, the damage, uh, that was caused by the fire was, uh, was, was, was thankfully, uh, reduced and mitigated because, uh, Royenthal conveniently
1: wrote a book
0: on, if uh, Royanthal
1: how- had, like, situation a ton of extremely granular plans uh, for emergency countermeasures. Y- yes, yes, for in such a situation as this. Just, like, just
0: thankfully, a-, a trait we had never ascribed to Roenthal before this is that apparently Roenthal is a prepper. Ingencies. Yeah, he just wrote, would, be. like, Royenthal would be a prepper. Yeah, he would totally, like, build a bunker and, like, show it to Mittermeier. But, uh...
1: Y- it would, right, have, those- it would
0: have a wine cellar in it. Oh, of course it would. Of course it would. Wine doesn't go bad. It's the perfect like <laughs> liquid to keep around. But um it's just it's very funny. But also, notably, you know, it puts
1: Reinthal yeah. back into distinctly good standing uh, with the Empire. Right. Everyone was like, wow, he did such a good job. The punishment won't be will be light, if if at all. And so Reinhard walks out and says, I relieve you of your position. And everyone goes oh, No only for Reinhardt to continue that you that to order that Ryan Reinthal is now the uh governor general of Neue Land, aka former yes, Federal no
0: <laughs> Yes, yes, no longer Heinesen, it is now Noye Land or New Land or whatever you want to call it, which Oh boy, they're they're just really like putting the final like nails in the coffin of the FPA here. Like they're not even allowed to fucking keep the name of their
1: uh, yeah. Of and their, so uh, in in certain ways, Reinthal is second only to the Kaiser. Yes, uh, <clears throat> uh, because not
0: only is he because the, the the authority of the Governor General also means the authority to govern all political and military affairs on the former territory known as Heinesen. Basically, Mm -hmm. Roenthal now has the second biggest fleet and own and is in control of the second largest territory
1: in the galaxy. They hand him the grill Pulsar Nepstein as well. Yes. They note that he has command of 35,000 warships and about 5 million soldiers.
0: Yes. And you know, like on one hand, glad Roenthal, you know, beat the case on a false accusation. On the other hand, this is a very interesting development because mm-hmm. as we all know, Raitel hasn't technically betrayed Reinhard, but he sure has considered it. Yeah. And uh, the idea that now he's like been given the keys to an- his basically given the keys so to his own, own kingdom, kingdom. <laughs> is very interesting because uh it gives Reunthal an amount of power that, again, you know, they say power corrupts. We don't know how Reuthal's going to handle this amount of authority given to him. But, uh, you know, considering that Reunthal's only, like, mental justification for not rebelling against Reinhard was his rationalization that, well, Reinhardt's clearly better than me, so, mm-hmm. like, he has the right to rule. But now that is a little bit closer to Reinhardt in status, I wonder if he's going to end up revisiting uh those thoughts he had before but uh before he can uh, kind of move into his new digs uh Reinhard makes some other appointments he says that Lutz has been appointed to defense commander of Fazan. you know so he's been relieved of his uh command of Izerlone because of well losing Iserlone right. uh Valin from Odin will be assigned to the Iserlone front so he's basically going to uh, join i guess Mecklinger uh, on that side uh, of uh, the Izzerlone front.
1: He uh, announces... He basically says Steinmetz will take a, a role as some kind of superintendent. Assistant. Yes. Uh, yes. And the narrator notes that he was originally going to give this position to Hilda, and Hilda refused because she does not have any direct military experience.
0: Right. Which, uh, you know, good for her, I guess, for knowing that, like, hey... This is basically just nepotism.
1: So, <laughs> I mean, she's the smartest person in the show. Yes.
0: Well, yes,
1: yes, <laughs> it's but uh, she's not in her normal wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, she's important of a role or something. Indeed, indeed. But and, uh, well, yeah, he says none. But none of these declarations will go into effect until we kick yon Winley out of load. Yes, he- his load. Yes. He includes the
0: biggest asterisk, the biggest conditional statement to all of these appointments is that before you all can move into your new digs, we have to beat young Wen Li. and Reinhardt specifically yes. swears. Oh. He will never return to Odin or Fizan until Yang bends the knee. And, uh, this is a very important statement to make because there are maybe some things going on at Odin. Yes. That, uh, he may want to be at Odin Four, but uh, before we get there, uh, Reinhard prepares to uh, leave for his new grand campaign against Yang Lee. Uh, Asked Hilda, Hilda to
1: deal with uh, Roenthal's child, yes, aka yes. that problem. Yes,
0: Hilda's basically um, saying, "What are you going to do with the kid and Elfried?" And Reinhard is like, "Can we just send that baby to the penal
1: colony like the can, rest of them? Can we just can we just abort it?" Like, yes. uh, no, it's too, too far along. Yeah, so can we just again uh, the
0: idea that like Reinhardt is like just send him to the penal colony I don't want to think about this and uh, it takes bad
1: for kids apparently
0: yes and it takes Hilda a little bit of convincing on Hilda's part to convince Reinhardt to be to to, to kind of back off on this I do like that Reinhardt backs off of this pretty quickly because like you can tell his brain is fully back into young Wen Lee mode and like anything not related to young Wen Lee is just a trivial matter that Hilda can take care of. So, yeah. you know, I-, I noticed that like Reinhardt was much more like willing to bend over on this when he's like too busy, you know, thinking about young Wen Lee than back when he was like Kaiser and like he was like pushing back more because I guess he was bored or something. But, um, yes. But, uh, yes, yeah, so Reinhard kind of, uh, you know, uh, relents on that. Um, and, uh, we kind of, uh, switch over to, um, Rubinsky. Rubinsky. Yep. Yes, because it turns out that, uh, Rubinsky is also beginning to make some moves. Um, you know, Rubinsky's... Garner's yes, greatest
1: weakness right now is his sister.
0: Yes, yes, Rubinsky so, uh... points out that, uh... Reinhard might put up the illusion of being, like, the benevolent golden emperor, but, like, we know the real Reinhard. He is prone to some very strong fits and tempers, especially when his sister is involved. And that, uh, we could, uh, we could try to assassinate her. We wouldn't even need to succeed. Just the very, just the brazenness of the attempt would send Reinhard into such a rage that, like, he would probably try to return to Odin. And, like, the idea here being that, like, a raging, like, angry Reinhard is an irrational Reinhard, and and an irrational Reinhard is a little bit easier to manipulate. And uh, Rubinsky also points out that uh, he suspects that uh, Oberstein will likely not take well to Roenthal's new assignment, because now that—because now Reunthal has power that uh, equally rivals uh, Oberstein— you know, I think Oberstein, for a while, after he got rid of Kirk Eyes, or, you know, conveniently let Kirk Eyes take a bullet, um, it kind of became the de facto number two. But now that position is a little bit muddier because of Reinhardt's, uh newfound powers. Um, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, was it uh, Dominique St... Saint, uh, St. Piel or whatever. St. Piel uh, asks Rubinsky, so... Be real with me. Was the fire your idea? And I love Rubinski's like, you know, not everything is a conspiracy.
1: But <laughs> I'm you flattered know, if you think it was my idea. But yes, I'm
0: flattered you thought that was my idea, but like not everything is a conspiracy. I do and like that everyone
1: so- like rushing to uh, oh, yeah, take advantage of I mean, a natural right. disaster.
0: Right, because that's very real. That's politics. Like everybody does that. I mean, in the historical tangent I will be getting into at the end of this episode, I will bring up some very good examples of people taking advantage of natural disasters. Mm -hmm. You know, like and and Rubinsky points out that, like in many ways, like the sign of like a true statesman is in fact there is not just their ability to plan things out in advance it's not just their ability to manipulate the factors around them but is also their ability to to the their ability to react and exploit the unexpected to their own means yeah and like here's a case where the empire did a magnificent job of that you know here's a case where i think even rubinski himself has some plans for what to do with heideson in the wake of the fire um yeah but, uh, you know, we kind of leave him, we kind of leave Leave on that note, uh, because, uh... Yes,
1: uh, he, he also does, makes, is like, Dominique, Want not you have my child? Right, he does just say, hey, wanna fuck? Like, and <laughs> have my kid. I mean, but she's still not happy about, uh, what happened to Rubinsky's other kid.
0: Yes, Rupert, uh, Rupert, she is, like, right. she's like, right. yeah, like, um, I, like, she's, like, yeah, like, she's, like... She's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't do you really like, do I really want to watch <laughs> you do that to so another again. kid? Yeah. And then here's where Rubinsky gets like weirdly, like again, I don't even know if Rubinsky actually means this because Rubinsky claimed the same thing. Rubinsky claimed yeah, the same yeah. thing right before he killed Rupert. But Rubinsky says, No, not to kill my child, but for him to kill me.
1: Uh-huh. Because Rubinsky has this like Love absurd Rubinsky.
0: like philosophy that like it is the role of a child of a son to kill his father. And like,
1: <laughs> all right, dude,
0: all right, dude, take it easy there. But we kind of leave on that note. Uh, we are informed yeah. that Bentfield and Fahrenheit have left for Iserloan because as uh, we were informed before, they are uh, they're kind of the vanguard of the uh, the front of the Iserloan war. They're kind of supposed right. to come in. They're, they're supposed to come in FPA from side. like the uh, yes, the FPA side. So, uh, you know, they're kind of on their way there. Um, Mittermeier and Steinmetz and a few others, uh, a ton of others, are told to go back to Odin through Fazan to come around on the other side to, I guess, reinforce Mecklinger. Um, yep. Reinhard has yet another one of his, his, like,
1: weird... (laughs) Sorry, what? Sitting in his flower garden with Emil to to, to punch him. Yes, yes, he's
0: like... Yes, about, yes, to do the very Reinhardt thing he does, which is pontificate about like his nature as a ruler. And Reinhardt, again, I will remind you, poetically calling yourself a warmonger does not make you any less of a warmonger. Like, asking yourself in flowery language, oh, am I fighting wars because this is all I know as a ruler?
1: Like, yes! Like, yes, yeah. that is exactly what you're doing. Have some, have just a smidge more self awareness, please. Yes, yes. As yes, he delicately brushes Mill's hair out of his eyes. Yes. And, and uh, flashes back to his time with Kirky Eyes. Yes, when, to the better days. Yes, the better days where he would just do hindstands on the lawn. Yes. Be like, hey, yes. sister, look what I could do. I could do a handstand.
0: Right. And, like, this is not kid Reinhard maybe, but this is, like, still, like, this is a like young adult Reinhard
1: He's still this an admiral. Like, He's an admiral. Like, yes. Just, we, get the, we, get the, we get the excellent line Oh, my, an Imperial Fleet Admiral is doing a handstand. <laughs> it's so good just like I like that Reinhardt's fucking visualization of
0: the better days back when I was young and imperious back when I would do silly childish
1: things like handstands on the lawn for my sister it's just like <laughs> he just wants to make the people he loves happy man by doing handstands uh, Reinhardt what you is know, your deal maybe Reinhardt should just gone to clown college yeah like, become the greatest clown of all pursuit is true passion but uh
0: yeah, so finally we
1: uh we uh While return Ithlone. to Is It Alone? Yes, and uh we get everyone is preparing for the inevitable you know battle. Uh,
0: yes, yes, they are get, uh
1: they're preparing with all of their foppery and whim.
0: Yes, they are preparing in only the way that young the young irregulars can, you know, which is uh. Joking around and like, you know, still like being getting ready, you know, like we see a great bit where like Shen Kopp is like training like the fucking like Rosenritter guys in what looks like a fucking 80s like yoga studio. Where they're, like, just, like... Where they're,
1: like, kendo f- slashes.
0: Right, right. They're, like, swinging their axe. And, like, you can just imagine, like, some, like, fucking, like, 80s bop playing in the background and Shenkop Goat. And swing. And swing. And <laughs> swing. And <laughs> chop. It's just, like, it's so good. But, uh, yeah, just... Everybody's getting ready, you yep. know. And we see Ed uh,
1: playing across all over. Oh yeah, this whole yeah, sequence. full
0: version, full version of Edie uh... playing. They're really hammering home like these are the final moments of these characters. Like we see Poplin back in his uh, his pilot uniform. It's right. been nearly two whole seasons since we've seen him. Uh, you know, repping reppin the repping the uh, the oh, Star Wars Rebel orange. You know, yeah, repping the Skywalker look. You know, he's like, you know, doing the thing ace pilots do of like signaling to like the crew guys going, no, no, you got to modify my gun, like get it to within this degree of like, you know, you know, aiming like distribution or whatever, Uh you know. And Um, uh,
1: Julian comes by with a notebook or he's looking at a notebook and Julian comes by to look at it. Yes. Pictures of like logos for uh, the squad. Yes. New squad
0: Um, insignias, I guess.
1: And margarita and
0: yeah. You know, and, uh, and all that, yes. And then, uh, be- Julian hol- be- because Julian is holding the book, uh, he flips to uh, another page of the book where it is a bunch of women in lingerie, oh, the
1: lingerie squad,
0: yes. And of, of, course, course. of course, of course, while Julian is holding the book on this page specifically, it's right, like Karen- everybody's
1: having fun looking at the, right. the is- is
0: when Karen decides to stroll over and look at what's going on. Once again, proving that Julian is incapable of looking cool in like front of game. Care. Just yeah. all, the t- all the time. Just fucking Julian's fucking completely non-existent game. It's hilarious. Like, we all joked about the flowers of Ezerloin, I got to be honest, I'm not actually sure Julian has the game to be a VN harem protagonist. No, yeah,
1: now he's he's downgraded from VN harem protagonist to just anime harem protagonist. Yeah, Where, yeah like he, hapless
0: anime <laughs> protagonist. Yes. Like, I think mean, Julian legitimately does not have like the social skills required to actually woo a woman, like <laughs> just based on what he has shown up till now. But um yep. yeah, kind of just a kind of everybody's kind of just getting ready. You know, we see shots of like, you know, Mirai and Casalnew and Young and everybody's kind of like, you know, around the maps and getting ready and like, you know, running the simulations. And indeed. again, the full version of the ED is playing and it's very, it's very <laughs> bittersweet. And um, indeed, Julian, uh, uh, Julian, the, the narrator says that Julian would remember every moment of this, of this of this moment, like, of the, of the of these times for the rest right. of his
1: life. And I'm just like, why would you phrase it like that? <laughs> like, uh, yep. How like, much, I uh, know, how much partying, I know, how much bloodshed awaits them.
0: <laughs> I know everybody on Iserloan is gonna die other than, like, Julian and maybe Karen, but why would you fucking <laughs>
1: <Married> <laughs> make it is so chill?
0: Yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, just...
1: With um, that episode finished, yeah. it's uh, we move on to episode a, seventy-seven. Yeah, kind of an interesting the windy episode the corridor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, wait, hold on one second. I'm just kind of double checking what we have here. Uh, I just want to make sure. Okay, so one thing I actually wanted to talk about real quick
1: mm-hmm. because you uh, mentioned a historical tangent.
0: Yes, yes. That tell because- me more. Yes, it's because Reutel has been uh, assigned to a position of power, and because of kind of this newfound vigor in Reinhardt's attack on Israel, combined with also Carl Black's mention of like uh, military spending, I kind of wanted to like bring up like this because like I basically wanted to talk about like what are often the unintended consequences of warfare. Like, if you look at the numbers, there is no reason why Reinhardt should lose this battle against Young. Like, he outnumbers Yang, he has the better men, he has the better leadership. Like, by all intents and purposes, Reinhardt has Yang beaten by basically every metric other than Yang Li himself. And so that leads me to kind of ask, well, then, if that's the case, what is the actual takeaway going to be from this upcoming battle? And a conversation we had after watching this episode was... In all likelihood, if Jan doesn't win this battle, it will at least likely be what I think will be a very costly victory for Reinhardt. My suspicion is that if Reinhardt wins this battle, it will be at great cost, uh, both material and manpower. You know, And the reason I bring that up is because those kinds of losses, like, you know, I think everybody's heard the term Pyrrhic victory before. It's the idea that even if you have won the battle, the cost that it demanded of your forces is so great that despite, you know, ostensibly winning, you have been effectively destroyed as a faction or an organization because there is just no way for you to, like, reliably recover from uh, those losses, you know, just because of the sheer expenses of both replacing that manpower and, and the material costs. Uh, An example of this I want to bring up, because it's kind of within a realm of my expertise, is uh, it kind of reminds me a lot of the fall of the Ming Dynasty. Now, the Ming Dynasty, uh, which succeeded the Yuan Dynasty, the Mongol-ruled dynasty, uh, the Ming Dynasty... You know, it fell for many of the, the classic reasons Chinese dynasties fall: the growing corruption of the eunuchs, you know, the control of like you know the infighting between generals and 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 politicians. You know, all, you know the all all the classic stuff that happens to every Chinese dynasty. But additionally, a couple of other factors also came into play, and that was a uh, in a twist of irony, the main dynasty basically won too many wars in too short of a time span, but they won them in very costly manners. Um, You know, this kind of begins with what is known as the, the Tumu crisis uh, in which the Ming were fighting a war against the Oirats, which was kind of a kind of splinter tribe of the Mongols. And uh, basically the Mong like the Oirat tribe managed to uh, fucking, Uh, kidnap the like next heir to be of the main dynasty which kind of sent a very like real succession crisis into order eventually the main dynasty responded by just crowning that dude's brother as emperor but like which led to the oirats being like oh well shit this guy is worthless to us now so they released him and then when that dude who got released waged his own civil war against the newly crowned emperor and took the emperorship back you know and Civil wars, not good for mm, stability.
1: Yeah, messy.
0: After that, um, because the Ming Dynasty, uh, after kind of uh, beating the Yuan and kind of pushing back the Mongols, uh, many Mongol descendants were still part of the courts and were still part of the military leadership. And it would have been both too costly and, and too, uh, well, would have risked a, risked a civil war if they had purged all Mongol uh, leadership from the uh, the military. However, they, maybe they should have because uh, one of the Mongol like generals of the Ming dynasty or a, a descendant of Mongol uh, a, a generals was a defector by the name of uh, Cao Qin. And uh, he and his army defected from the, uh, the Chinese, uh, from the Ming Dynasty. And, well, as you might surprise, this was yet another uh, costly civil war that they had to put down. You can begin to see the trend here. Uh, finally, this all culminates in the Imjin War. This is the war that was fought uh, between uh, the alliance of the Korean dynasties and the Ming dynasties, and the invading uh the invading japanese uh led by uh uh, hideyoshi uh so in this situation again once again the Ming dynasty technically the victors of this war uh they managed to push back the japanese and the japanese would never attempt to invade mainland asia until you know the 1930s but the cost was great lots of manpower lots of material lost uh, again, the success of these wars, all happening within the span of roughly the same century, kind of drained the coffers, kind of sent, like, the value of silver plummeting, uh, in general, they're very bad economic shit. And then, and then, <laughs> this all got exacerbated by both the, uh, mini ice age that happened during this time period across the planet that led to widespread, like, famines as a result of the poor harvests. And also then, a catastrophic earthquake happened, killing over 800,000 people in China. And, you know, those last two, the Ming Dynasty couldn't really do anything about them. But, like, as you can kind of get from what I'm saying here, is, like, these events don't exist in vacuums. They have long-standing consequences. And the whole reason I went into this tangent is because... Now that Royenthal has been given this much power, I do wonder, what if Reinhardt does, like, eventually win this battle against Yangwen Li, but it is at the cost of his fleet, right? Like, what if Yangwen Li just bleeds the hell out of Reinhardt's fleet? It will
1: create the potential situation that Reinhardt, ha- or that Royenthal has occasionally entertained, where he uh, will have the chance to take power. Exactly, like, because like it's not cheap to raise up new soldiers
0: and build a new fleet. If all of a sudden, like, you know, let's say, Yang's attempts kind of bleed out Reinhard, then there's also the expenses of rebuilding Heideson. Then there's also whatever Rubinsky is planning with like Anna Rose and you know, whatever is going on on Fazan, as we will see in the next episode, like. What if all these like disparate elements, if one of them alone is not enough to bring down Reinhardt, what if enough of these things keep piling up? And like, sure, he is, you know, the god-tier statesman, the perfect, like, strategist, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, everybody has a limit. Everybody has a breaking point. And like, yeah. what if all that stuff happens? And then also Reunthal decides, you know what? I'm not just the governor general of Noye land. I'm land. I'm the president of Noye land, or I'm the king for life of Noye land, you know? Like, or I'm the new Kaiser. I am the Noye Kaiser. Mm-hmm. So, like, these kind of events, like, individually, because, again, like the Ming Dynasty, this seemingly, like, giant, you know, like, one of the strongest dynasties in Chinese history, like, seemingly unbreakable, was eventually destroyed because of just subsequent events that like, again, these events were not a lot allied with each other. You know, Rubinsky is not working with young or at least, you know, not to young's knowledge. Like, yeah, you know, these were disparate events, uh, events, you know, caused by like disparate factions, but because they were all aimed at, you know, the biggest player in the room, we're eventually able to bring them down. And I'm not saying that like, you know, I'm not saying that I think Reinhardt is going to like, his empire is going to like get taken down in season three. No, you know, no doubt. But like, I wonder if like future events in this show will be about Reinhard trying to consolidate his power, you know, and recover from some of the losses that he will take because of these events conspiring against him. And Well, uh, uh,
1: after that speculation section, we can move on to episode 77. All right, all right, fine, to the windy clearly corridor. <laughs> I'm just saying we need to keep. You're saying we gotta keep this rolling. Yeah, I guess. I know. Yeah, I mean. So, Eero, tell us what's going on in what, the windy <laughs> corridor. Uh, the remastering is not great in the windy corridor. The first cut, like the first scene of this episode, I guess the, all they had was VHS or something. It's really blurry. It's a little rough. Um, and uh, you know, Reinhardt is uh turn to launch he's admonishing grill palser to uh you know do a good job taking care of heinous while royenthal is off doing the real war
0: yes yes uh, the subject being don't fucking pull a lenin kampf, i swear to god like if you fuck this up like lenin kampf like your head is mine
1: Mm-hmm. Andy hmm uh, And Reinhardt also orders the demolition of the big-ass statue of Ollie Heinesen praising the sun. Yes.
0: yes. Uh, it's a very... Uh... Reinhard's, Reinhard's rationale for this, I get, but also you cannot deny that this is a very explicit
1: like show of cultural right. power. The narrator is like, well, you see, it's not disrespectful because he didn't intervene with the Ollie Heinesen Memorial Hall... Or the grave of Ole Hinesen. But it's he also like it. this is still a political move. He just hates big statues. Yes, he yes. He has an official like declaration that if anyone's going to build a statue of Reinhard Valdo and Graham, it has to be 10 years after his death, and it cannot be any bigger than life-size.
0: Yes, yes.
1: He claims that no sane person could bear such a giant
0: statue, and, uh, again, it's an interesting point because, like, as well remember, Heinesen Heinesen, died on the way. <laughs> like, he, Motherfucker didn't even make it to Heineson.
1: Right. Like, but they named it after ways, him because
0: he died on the way. Right, in, right. It's more they honored, like, I mean, in many ways, they honor him because of his, like, rhetorical, like, impact, right. right? Because he got the ball rolling. But it's not like the dude himself ever actually ruled the FPA. And so, like, I feel like taking him down is, like, Again, I agree, ostentatious statues are very gaudy, but on the other hand, I feel like this is a very distinct, like, this is an intentional takedown of democracy itself. Because, let's be real, Hinesan himself doesn't really represent him. It represents the ideal of what he stood for. So, yeah. to take that down is to take down those ideals. But, uh, we kind of move on from that, because, yep, uh, Everyone's
1: launching towards the corridor. Uh, yes,
0: Reinhard basically is mobilizing his entire fleet, he points out that Young basically has two choices because of the situation he's caught in and because of the resources he has. His options are either to advance and attack, to try and break through, or withdraw and defend. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, basically, Yang is, according to Reinhard, caught between these two binaries. And that it will basically, the strategy they will use will basically come down to what Yang tries to do. Yeah. But uh, before we can... Talk about but that! Something
1: happened that not even he could have foreseen. Yes, says an, unexpe-
0: an unexpected event on Fazan. and that unexpected evo- event is a party being
1: held Yay. for Valen and Lutz. Yeah, uh, coming
0: to Fazan. Yep,
1: and, and uh, uh, Silverbirch also getting ready to go to the party. But yeah. he's, well, not- he's <laughs> building his uh, fancy plamo of the the uh, planned palace. For the new yes. Imperial Capital Fazan. Yes, yes. Gluck is trying to pick
0: up uh Silverburge like, with hey, we're late to the party. And Silverburge is like, hold on, hold on. I'm
1: building my like
0: really cool. my one my one thousand scale model of like the new
1: Imperial oh, oh. Palace. Palace Rubenburg. And
0: Yes, yes. And Silverbirch points like he's out that... It's like, like the
1: tweezers and everything.
0: Yes, yes. Silverburst kind of like he posits that he hopes to one day be prime minister, not because he thinks he wants the power but because he believes that like once Reinhardt has won all of these wars, the next era of Reinhardt's rule will be fought between technocrats. It will be fought by the bureaucrats and the civic individuals who will be responsible for like the, uh, you know, the, the, the handling of civic matters in, in, in Reinhardt's new world order. And that, you know, like he hopes that people like him will be there to ensure that, <laughs> that it is run to the best of its ability yeah um but you know meanwhile lutz and uh valin are yep. also on their way to the party well, lutz is have, like, a bit i can't here believe where... they're
1: holding a party for me when i was demoted here <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh i like that even lutz is in on the kirky death it was clearly oberstein's fault uh a uh, train uh-huh so uh I guess they both but, uh, served under
1: Kirky eyes during the Lipstadt yes, dye, yes. Uh, incident uh, right
0: exactly so they also have their loyalties to him. Uh, however, Valen's robot arm
1: is uh, malfunctioning, yeah. and he needs to get it taken care I of. Love, he's like, "Boy, it would be a shame if my robot arm malfunctions and slaps Overstein across the face during the party." Yes.
0: Oh yes, it's very good. Gosh, everybody—that's would <laughs> terrible, wouldn't it? Everybody just continued to make their fucking, like, resentment for Oberstein clear as day. <laughs> but Valen needs to get it fixed, so uh, he delays his arrival to the party. You know, he's running a little bit late. And uh, yep. perhaps, as we suspected, this is what had in some That's... ways come into play, because uh, we see Silverburst, She's bored at the party and Everyone's going for over. a little walk. <laughs> yes. And uh, just as he's walking around, a bomb goes off at the come ceremony. Yes, yeah. and uh, uh, many people are injured, including uh, Oberstein, uh, who is also there. He is injured. Uh, Baltic, well. the uh, Fazan guy who sold out. Uh, yeah, uh, Fazan is also there. Lutz also there, injured. Unfortunately, uh, Silverbursch is killed in yep. in the bombing. And not Oberstein. Yes, and not Oberstein, proving once again that we live in an unjust universe. <laughs> um. We have uh, a good scene where Oberstein is in the hospital with bandages on and he is still stone, completely fazed. stone-faced Oberstein, like didn't even exclaim or shout when he got nearly bombed to death. Yep. He's just like, you yeah, know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yep. uh,
1: which, of course. Uh, Volan goes to visit Lutz in the hospital yes. and looks like, I can't die before Oberstein. I can't yeah. wait to go to his funeral. And like read a nice letter that talks about how good he is, but in my heart I'll be like, "Fuck that guy," and yes, it'll be yes, great.
0: Yes, let's just can't wait to fucking basically shit on Oberstein's grave, and it's fantastic. Um, and then, but uh, yes,
1: the nurse comes in.
0: Oh yes, the like name like, un- Yes, the unusually both pretty and named nurse uh, Clara shows up. Yep um we don't really know what her deal is just that she's been tasked with taking care of lutz i do Uh like that lutz is like who is there come Come in in. and then it's a pretty lady and he's like oh shit i didn't know it was a pretty lady i thought it was one of my subordinates oh sorry
1: uh Uh, uh, you know leaves to let his blood boy
0: yes volan's all right i'll let my boy get babied by this pretty nurse Uh so uh I don't know, man. I'm suspicious. Why is she named? Like, nobody in this character, nobody in this fucking show has a name unless they're going to fucking do some important shit down the line. I don't know. I'm already. It
1: was like Kessler's childhood friend or whatever, right? Dude, I am already immediately suspicious.
0: Yeah. But yes, the interesting thing is, yeah, because of this, like, this implies that now Gluck is the new Minister of Civil Engineering. As we all remember, Gluck was competent,
1: but nowhere near the genius of Silverbirch. It right. said that Gluck is good at his job, but is better suited for a period of stability rather than a period of growth.
0: Yes, yes. Like, he's a good guy at maintaining the course, but not good at, like, looking at how to, like, critically improve things. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an important detail because, like, the thing we have talked about, like, the thing we always suspected was that, like, what will eventually, if not bring Reinhardt down, but make things much more difficult for him... Will eventually will be the inevitable brain drain of his like talented individuals, right? Yeah. Like the loss of because you know I don't just I don't subscribe to great man theory, but you can't deny that like there have been individuals who, because of their unique talents and because of just you know sometimes the luck of where they were situated in, were able to kind of make major changes in history. And Silver Birch is definitely f- intentionally framed as one such figure, and there's this idea that like well. Now that he's lost forever, this is already like like it's not just the loss of a good man; it is the loss of like potential important improvements to the like you know civic structure of Reinhardt's new empire. Yeah, and that might not mean that, that that might not mean a great deal now, but it could mean a great deal, you know, down the line.
1: Yeah, in ten years, um, when Silverberg would yes. have been prime minister.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um,
1: He'll duck to, you know, we to, uh, advocate for leaving young I, alone. Yes.
0: Yes. Right. is like so
1: that he could potentially invade into Odin and that would be bad. Yes.
0: yes. Right. continues his fucking like, I'll one V I'll V I'll one V one him at Seven Eleven spiel. Uh, uh-huh. Reinhardt is like you know not it's too
1: bad he learned his lesson of being repeatedly schooled on by Yang Lee
0: yes he has not learned his lesson because Reinhardt says you know it's too bad Yang doesn't have a proper fleet I totally one on one him
1: and yeah, like I'd Hilda rock. is like please Reinhardt I barely sure. saved your life last time <laughs> if you really want to fight him equals then you can leave him alone now and let him get stronger
0: Yes, yes, Hilda Please. does advocate the idea. Like, maybe we should just leave Young alone because we have civic matters to pay attention to, and Reinhardt's not really having any of it. Um, I I do like that Royenthal suspects that, you know what, it wouldn't even surprise me if somehow Oberstein planned the bombing. Yep,
1: it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, Yeah. they <laughs> the, He and Mittermeier just kind of shitting on Oberstein.
0: Yes, they... Oberstein earns earns a Yang-esque uh, appellation to his name. We now have the Walking Poison Oberstein. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh... But, uh... Uh-huh. That, none of that matters, uh-huh. because, uh... Something of far greater import happens right. next.
1: Uh, we are intentionally connected to the Balmian Faison. Another yes. another incident happens on Heinesen. um... There's a mysterious fire at the National Psychiatric Hospital. There's 11 people dead or missing. Or missing. We get a shot of 10 corpses. Yes. And that one of the people who is dead or missing is motherfucking former Commodore Andrew Fork. Motherfucking
0: Andrew Fork. (laughs) I still can't believe it. Back from season one
1: somehow in the spotlight I like The last time you showed it was episode, like, 19. Yes. It's been almost yes. 60 episodes. We have discovered that the Earth
0: cult has sprung Andrew Fork and that they have plans deigned for him. And... I can't, I cannot believe this. <laughs>
1: I cannot the believe A. this. Out Andrew Fork, of all people, of all people! Of all like, people. Ugh, just... <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable i cannot approaching like episode 16 levels of what yes
0: yes i i I have in in the in the hundreds of calculations of where this show would go in my head never did one of my calculations say andrew fork would return in what seems to be a narratively relevant role but somehow here he is yeah. Um, just. Unbelievable.
1: Ridiculous. Uh, but which is kind of the tacit. Um, the show basically saying that the bombing of Fazan was Earth Cult. Uh,
0: yes, yes. L- yes. Lutz suspects that the plan uh, was likely a failure because they were probably going after military personnel and technically they didn't kill a single member of military personnel at that bombing. Yeah. So there is a high likelihood they might try again in the near future. Um, yeah. Rubinsky, on the other hand, we return to Rubinsky and Rubinsky being the fucking galaxy brain. He is, uh-huh. is like, nah, even a failed plan is still part of my plan. Like our failed attack is part of the plan. You know, like it's all coming together. All according uh-huh. to Kaku. Indeed. And, uh, he says that he has a, uh, he's about to, uh, Use his next, uh, his next playing piece, which is Dominique, that uh, he has a mm. uh, need for her uh, highly specific skill set. Time.
1: Yes. Um. Meanwhile, Bittenfield has uh, Bittenfield is in his be- command room and listening yes, to opinions yes. from his staff.
0: Yes, he's on the front lines. He's arrived at
1: the front lines of the
0: alone battle. He is bored and listening to his officers. Uh, one of his officers suggests, hey, I got a great idea. How about we tell Young to surrender and that we'll treat like all of his like people well, but then let's actually not, and let's fuck him over.
1: And, no, like, bring him to the negotiation table, and then just arrest him kid, after negotiation yeah, just uh, table. Yeah, just
0: arrest him. It's perfect. And Bidfield has the best fucking reaction <laughs> I have ever oh, seen. Bidfield just says, don't give me bullshit like that ever again. Like, <laughs> Bidfield... Is furious at the suggestion of such cowardly tactics. Nah, Bittenfield, Bittenfield says, "I am fine when I am called an incompetent by Re- Reinhard, but <laughs> no one will call Bittenfield a coward or a sneak." And uh, it's tight. a great scene. Like you see, like some other members of Bittenfield's like crew that are like more veteran. And they're like looking at each other and they're like, "This fucking like yeah, hotshot I'll- young officer probably thinks that like oh he's gonna like." move up the ranks and convince (laughs) Bittenfield of this daring new plan when like everybody else at the table knows like fucking dumbass like you're part of the Black Lancers you do know what is the only strategy (laughs) Bittenfield has in his back pocket right uh so Bittenfield uh Skype calls uh Fahrenheit uh basically complaining about how bored he is yes uh he says hey look at all these like dumb plans my officers came up they're all fucking lame but i guess you should read them because like you're better at this stuff right maybe there's something good here and like fahrenheit is like well gee binfield is just so bored why don't you just go up to Reinhardt? i mean why don't you just go up to young and demand his surrender yeah why don't and you Binfield's just do it, man
1: like, whatever
0: and Binfield's like you know what i'll give that a shot wait no and, stop like you know, he's like, "Wait, what?" No. <laughs> and turns out Binfield actually tries. Binfield gets on the hood of his car with a loudspeaker and is just like, "Hey, hey Yangwen Lee, it's me Binfield. Give uh, up."
1: Uh, Binfield would try and get out on t- onto the top of his spaceship with a megaphone. Yes, yes.
0: And the narrator tells us that because of Binfield's actions, this battle would
1: take unexpected turns. <laughs> just he's such a <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Binfield. Oh, Binfield, you truly are. You are the worst,
0: but you're also the best. Just, like, <laughs> just the idea that, like, like, here's the thing. Like, there's actually, like, I mean, Binfield's dumbass, but also Binfield has very good reasons for, like, yeah. not going through with such a plan. Like, I'm not really going to get into it too much here, but, like, there's a reason why, like, n- nobility as a concept is, is somewhat overrated. Mm -hmm. But nobility as a social construct is actually very important. Because, like, I I use nobility as a catch-all term. I I can mean, I'm really just speaking to this idea of, like, the respect for diplomacy and treaties. Because the idea is, like, sure, you could invite your enemy's general to the negotiation table and then have them all assassinated. Yes, you could do that. And maybe that would actually be a good short-term trick. Right, but then nobody would ever trust you ever again. Exactly. That has long-term diplomatic repercussions. Afterwards, if you now have the reputation of being an untrustworthy bastard who just kills anybody who comes to the negotiation table, why should anybody ever negotiate with you ever again? And then that turns every war with your faction not because there's that there's that very pithy quote about how war is the final expression of diplomacy. This mm-hmm. idea that war is the final option when diplomacy has failed to achieve a nation's, you know, political aims, which is to a degree true. But and this idea is that you don't fight wars to kill people. I mean you do, but you would kill people in the name of achieving a political, you know, goal. Yeah. You fight wars to achieve that goal, and it just happens at that most efficient method of doing that is killing people. But, uh, if you become the, if you, if you, if, you get the, if you get the reputation of being the guy who kills people over dinner, like, now every war that is fought with you now becomes a war of destruction. Mm-hmm. And, let me tell you, that doesn't work out most of the times. You know, like, you can ask a lot of, you can ask a lot of ancient kingdoms that no longer exist, who were famed for their cruelty, even in diplomacy, what happened to them? I mean, I'm not going to go full historical tangent here because it would be unfair for me to indulge in two in the same podcast. (laughs) But there is the infamous... um, There is the infamous uh, destruction of the Persian kingdom when... Well, I'm not sure they're actually Persian. Apologies. Uh, This is actually not my specialty. But basically, during the height of Genghis Khan's rule, uh, he sent... um, he became aware while he was busy building up his forces in East Asia, he had just finished conquering China and he was beginning to aim, you know, consolidating his rule. He heard of a powerful, uh, a powerful uh, a kingdom to the West and uh, what would be considered either Persia or, you know, just generically the middle East. Um, he sent an envoy to their kingdom to, in the name of cooperation that perhaps our two kingdoms could come to an alliance the king of that kingdom had his messengers uh, beheaded and their heads sent back to Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan sent these beheaded messengers to Genghis Khan. <laughs> Genghis Khan, in, uh, to prove that there's actually kind of a fascinating uh, multifaceted aspect to the man, <laughs> This is, I, I kind of love the story, honestly. Genghis Khan was like, hmm, maybe they have cultural differences over there. <laughs> I'll send another set of mercs. I'll send another, I'll send another set of messengers. And this time I'll have them bring a caravan of treasure with them. Uh. Maybe this time they'll be convinced. Sends the, Uh (laughs) sends this caravan to the kingdom. The kingdom has one of the messengers executed and the other has his beard shaved. This is a very grave insult to the Mongol people (laughs) (laughs) and sends that messenger back. Also steals the
1: jewels and all the treasure that was in the caravan. Of course,
0: of course. This is when Genghis Khan is like, "That's
1: just smart diplomacy,
0: right?" This is when Genghis Khan is like, "Okay, all right, I see how this is." Uh huh. This kingdom is completely annihilated (laughs) over the course of a decade. Mm -hmm. They are killed almost to the last man, woman, and child. Any. Those who surrender are either enslaved or executed. The entire, the entire uh, uh, ruling clergy and nobility of this kingdom executed to the last man. This is where this is where Genghis Khan has his famous speech, where he says, "I am." Where he walks into the mosque of this kingdom's of this uh, the the central mosque of this kingdom's capital and says, "I am the scourge of your God." If you were not sinners, he would not have sent me to destroy you. And so, this is why they say, don't kill the messenger. Uh Anyways, um, (laughs) with the end of that, that is why Bittenfield, A, a dumbass, B, actually still kind of a pretty decent guy.
1: (laughs) Uh And uh, uh, with that declaration, we move into episode 78, Spring Storm.
0: Yes. So, uh, we have a scene of Dusty, uh...
1: sandwiches. <laughs> writing his memoirs. Yep. Eating sandwiches, writing his memoirs. Yes. about, talking how about how, they're, Oh, they're gonna fight or, 90% of the universe.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: We would've been... We, the pressure would've driven us all insane if...
0: And then Poplin, being the fucking piece of shit, comes over. Also turns out that we can add a competent uh, literary editor uh-huh. to... Uh,
1: well, okay.
0: <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I think so. Fine, not? Poplin, you can do everything Poplin, else. Poplin makes the snide comment because we were already insane, right? Is that the line you were about to write? <laughs> like, come on, man! It's like like that kind of. Oh, the readers don't like it. Yeah, the readers don't like overly predictable cliches, and Dusty's just like, "No, I wasn't gonna write that." <laughs>
1: like, shut up! What, yeah, wait, what, just, what? Didn't you come up with a catchphrase yet? And Poplin's like, I sure did. Viva democracy, baby! <laughs> yes, viva
0: democracy. And D- Dusty's like, you, you dumbass. That's the that's the that's the slogan we came up with in the first place. He's like, okay, fine. I came up with a second one. How about this? <laughs> die Kaiser! Oh yeah. And I'm just like, oh, just Poplin, you fucking
1: dirtbag!
0: You fucking dirtbag! Fucking die Kaiser! Or as they say, Die Kaiser Die, or as in German, The Kaiser The.
1: Uh-huh. Indeed. But, uh, and uh, but yes. we get this line, which is funny to me uh, within the context of what this show is. But uh, Popman says, if you're aiming to become a documentary literature writer, you don't want to throw around too many bizarre coined phrases. Looks at camera. Yes, yes. <laughs> <And> then <yeah.
0: laughs> Just... Every fucking author in the world feeling seen <laughs> at that moment.
1: Leave me alone, Waplin. But, up, uh... Uh...
0: <laughs> but uh, we uh, we find out that Benfield's message is being relayed in the middle of dinner. Yes, uh, yes. Young and Young and Mrs. Young are having dinner with the Castle News uh, when uh, Dusty's like, uh, "Hey, uh, Benfield sent a message. Uh, you want to play it?" And Young's like, Benfield? <laughs> Binfield. Wait." That Binfield, I I'm surprised he even knows how to pick up the phone. Yeah, send him through. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Benfield basically being Binfield being like I'm Binfield, you don't stand a chance. You should surrender. You're you're uh, you're just Yang Wen Lee. Yes, Yangwen Lee
1: You know the chance." Yeah.
0: And he basically says, Young Wen Lee, you're a smart smart guy, you're a great general, you've proved yourself time and time again, but you're just one man leading a, leading a bunch of nobodies. Meanwhile, I'm Binfield, and it's not just me. There's like Mittermeier and Royenthal and Lutz here. and Ballin. Yeah, the whole gang's here. We're coming for you. And uh, <laughs> Yang is like, <sighs> Yang's like, oh. Uh, basically, uh, yes, Binfield says here uh, the specific line is your resistance is not only morally pointless, <laughs> but tactically impossible. <laughs> Which is actually a pretty damn good line. I wonder if Binfield came up with that on his own. Actually, Binfield's pretty good with words. Sure. As young, as young notes, man. No. Imagine the world if only Binfield had been an FPA politician. Just imagine, like how how better things would be. He
1: could have just to shouted down Job Trunick. Yes,
0: yeah, just the world where Binfield shouts down Job Trunick. What a world! But. uh... Young also begins running the simulations in his head he's trying to figure out hmm is Benfield acting on his own or is he doing this on orders from Reinhard right. because depending on which of these is true that gives this a very different like playing field because if he's just doing this out of obligation because Reinhard is ordered to him to then he doesn't have a huge more uh, emotional investment in this surrender demand but if Benfield did this of his own accord
1: we can use this he has some
0: in- we can use this. And uh, Dusty's basically just like, uh, should we respond? Also, I can't believe he called me a nobody. Don't they know me? Admiral Dusty Attenborough, the guy who once tricked, uh... uh <laughs> who did he trick? Did he trick Wallen? Who did he trick with the exploding transports I'm trick? Not. Steinmetz? Maybe? Uh, or, or, I don't remember. Point is, Dusty's done some shit before. You know, he's not the he's not the world's best admiral, but...
1: Uh-huh. he'll fight he'll fight with all his foppery and whim. Indeed. Um and we get uh some stuff of the alpha seal politicians. Yes. One dude is like we should just throw young Wenli to the wolves and yeah, let's just sell him out. And uh you know, securing <laughs> that
0: safety. proving that no matter the time and the age, fucking politicians are Continue to be the fucking worst human beings imaginable.
1: <laughs> right? Well, we, we can't stand for coexistence with the Empire. We should uh, get rid of Yongwen Lee, who's advocating Roms- for coexistence. Yes.
0: yes, Romsky here proves that while Romsky is kind of a dumbass, he is also well-intentioned. Romsky yeah. admits, we cannot sell out Wen Lee. We invited him here specifically because of the political clout that having Wen Lee as part of the mm-hmm. Alpha Seal resistance would bring. Also. Like whether he means that, <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, purely cynically or if he means it sincerely, either way, right? When we like, can't. also can't, so by the way, Jeff Ju CEO Reinhardt, treated the dudes to sell to Bello. That's yeah, like
0: that would have been us. So Romsky, kind of a dumbass, but also Romsky, surprisingly, a little bit more politically apt than I gave him credit for. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, nonetheless. Alpha Seal <laughs> decides to uh, decides to sell this uh, sell this P- as a PR move. Uh-huh. Uh, say that all of the politicians are uh, fleeing to alone yep. and leaving zero military stationed at Alpha Seal, making the claim that this will make Alpha Seal more
1: safe because
0: uh, I mean, the Empire it, it, it like publicly
1: oh, declare it as like defenseless, not a military target. Right?
0: Yes, basically saying,
1: hey, it's a non
0: military target, so please don't attack Alpha Seal, which it's a move actually like on one hand because of the politician who said he wanted to sell out young there's a party that wants to believe this is just a fucking selfish like self-preservation move mm-hmm. on the other hand this is in some ways not a bad choice if you want to preserve the civilian lives that are on that planet by basically you know declaring altogether that hey if you attack these people they have no means of resisting they are a completely like
1: it's not Harmless what, it's like a, that's not what you're here for, basically.
0: Right, right. Uh, but yes, back on Iserlone, Uh Yang is busy trying to figure out how to pull one over on Reinhard. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of. I like that Yang is kind of recognizing Ezerlone's kind of multiple values. Like mm-hmm. it's strategic value, it's tactical value, it's uh, political value, but also now it's spiritual value or spiritual in a sense. You know, it's, I, it's ideological value. Yeah. Because of Yang's. It's, 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 a, it's echoing what Mecklinger said in the, in the first episode of this trio, is that because of what Yang has done to the reputation of Izerlone, Izerlone is no longer now the bastion of empire power. Now Izerlone is the last bastion of liberal democracy, mm-hmm. in that unfortunately, for better or worse, even if he wanted to break through Mecklinger
1: and go to Odin,
0: he can't actually leave Izerlone because Izerlone right. is a symbol. It is a symbol of democracy.
1: And even if he'd want to trade it away to Reinhard, like, in negotiations, Reinhard is obsessed with fighting Yang Wenli.
0: Yes, like, there is no version of this that goes peacefully, because, like, even if Yang were to, like, get on his knees and surrender, Reinhard would be like that shonen rival who would be like, Get up! We're still gonna fight, damn it! (laughs) He would insist on it. And, uh, you know, Yang... You know, uh, Yang Young asks Julian, like, what do you think of all this? Julian says, Is this in some ways predetermination?
1: <laughs> Yang and, goes on uh, this whole spiel about how he doesn't believe in predetermination. Right, that it's it belittles be free excuse. will. Yes. Can always a kind of be the blame as to well it was predetermined.
0: Right, it bel- belittles free will. This the uh, Young basically is taking the stance that like even in the most desperate of situations, everybody has a choice. Everybody can make a choice like, and yes, does that choice sometimes mean the loss of life or, or harm? Yes. But on some level, all of mankind can make a choice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting philosophy, you know, it's one that I'm not sure I fully buy into because like, again, I feel like it ignores the practicality of like, yeah, everybody can make a choice, but you have a gun to your head. Like, choices kind of been made for you your choices have been considerably narrowed unless you know you are, you are so deeply ingrained in your beliefs that you're willing to die for them which you know maybe young is but yeah. like you he, uh, know but it speaks to young's philosophy
1: yeah he points out that uh maybe him losing would be a better outcome because surely Reinhard would treat all of his subordinates well yes Yang, Yang, Yang has lose.
0: uh young has recognized that for better or worse uh the FPA have kind of become, you know, the quote-unquote de facto villains of the story, right? Yeah. Like, because Reinhardt is a benevolent ruler, like, if Reinhardt was a despot, you know, at least the FPA would have some kind of, like, moral high ground to hold. But because democracy has failed its people so many times in the last few years, yeah. like, like, Yang is fighting for an ideal, but he is fighting for an ideal that, at at this current moment in history, has been tarnished. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it has been tarnished and it has been compromised. And as a result, is not even popular amongst the mainstream anymore, the populace. Like, yeah. in many ways, Reinhard, uh, Yang wonders, like, am I doing more harm than good? Like, Reinhardt, like, he's, he basically admits Reinhardt is a good ruler. If Reinhardt, like, ruled the galaxy, he'd probably do a lot of really great things for it. But, you know, and then Yang also admits... But it wouldn't be democratic it would not be all those great things would not be accomplished by the will of the populace it would be accomplished by the will of a single man and yeah as long as i draw breath (laughs) however much longer that lasts you know i must fight
1: and Uh, meanwhile uh
0: julian leaves go take care of some business he sees karen
1: Walking, uh, walking down the hallway. She's, she's yes. trying to read a book and carry a box simultaneously. Yes, Julian, Julian, Julian's like, wow, Karen's so coordinated. She's so cool. Walks into a and so wall. Immediately, <laughs> immediately Karen walks into a wall. It's so funny. I I completely lost Julian's it. like game that bad.
0: Yes, yes, that he can even like psychologically affect uh, the women around him. Julian goes over to help. Um, and only makes things worse. Yes, Julian tries to defend Shenkop, and I know that he probably means well, but like Julian, you have so much to learn about talking <laughs> to girls. Like, holy shit, my guy! Like, like Julian, it totally ha- even does the thing of like, I don't get why she's mad. I just said the rational thing, and it's like, oh,
1: Julian, You're you an idiot! <laughs> you have so much to learn. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh is like, oh boy, that kid. He yeah, he's be- talking. Learn how to talk to ladies. Yes, Casalnu is uh, talking with Hortense.
0: Um, yes, his wife. Right. Is I Casalnew. just to
1: say for the record, the, the the name Phyllis that I pulled out of the ether last podcast or whatever. Uh, his daughter's name is Charlotte Phyllis Casalnu. All right. So hey, uh, yeah, you, you got know, it. I remembered yeah, so- one of their middle names and not their actual names.
0: Sure, you got it. You got it halfway right, and that's really what matters. More like quarter (laughs) right but uh yeah so we have a great scene again i love these two i love these two they are like rapidly rising in the ranks of like my favorite characters uh in the uh in the young crew like you know kazanoo just like complaining about like uh uh what, what is he complaining about specifically here? I I, I don't... My notes are a little general he's like, here, man, I, Julian
1: really should learn... To talk I mean, right, to right. Women. I mean,
0: I mean, I mean, beyond that. Did he? Right. I know he so, talked about so something his else, wife right? Is like,
1: well, he's been learning so much from Yong Wenli. Right, uh, the worst, the worst mentor at talking to girls. <laughs> right. And uh, so he's like, man, so it's Young's fault. And his wife is... So, well, you share some of the blame as the one who introduced the two of them. Yes,
0: yes, yes, that's what it was. And I I love their dynamic. It's it's very good. It's very sweet. Uh, Hortense <laughs> bakes a cake. Right. And uh, serves some of it to Kazalnu, who just fucking palms it and shoves it into his mouth because, like, he's like, oh, "I got business to do." Yep. And uh, we have a great little scene where his two daughters also try to eat it the way Daddy does. <laughs> and <laughs> Hortense's like, "No, you're gonna eat the, You're Ranger gonna eat manners. your food. Like, you're gonna eat your food like fucking civil civilized people, not like the fucking savage I married." Uh, who fucking eats a cake with his bare hands. That is a. Uh, it's like a cheesecake pow- too like yeah yeah that's like a power move man just like um all just, over
1: your fingers like right right like, like he's like
0: he's not even concerned he's not even concerned he's like no nah, i'm I got, I got i got I, i'm busy i got plans but uh,
1: uh and meanwhile at the bar uh, yes we have wow. shed
0: cop and poplin drinking together uh sh- dusty sh- is uh sh- sh- yeah <laughs> dusty is still a little bit angry about uh <laughs> Right about both Poplin's like, literary advice and being called a nobody
1: by Bittenfield. Yeah, Chen Cop's <laughs> so, giving terrible excuses for his behavior. Yes, you know yes. I didn't know I didn't know Karen even existed, so she's not an illegitimate daughter. I wasn't right. hiding her.
0: I didn't do anything bad.
1: Oh fuck off! And like,
0: <laughs> and like, yeah. So Dusty is like drinking alone by the bar
1: instead of at the table
0: where want to more. I don't
1: you want know to infect, be infected by your impurity cooties.
0: Yes, yes. Julian comes in and Dusty's like, "Hey, sit over here with me. Don't sit with those guys. They're a bad influence. You're gonna, you're gonna catch their depravity." <laughs> and uh, Dusty gives maybe what is single handedly one of the best speeches That's in this whole one. show. Uh, well, before that, before that, Dusty has a great line where he's like, "Why did I have to turn thirty? I haven't done any evil things <laughs> like Shen I haven't See, done anything
1: wrong with my life. I don't deserve to turn 30.
0: <laughs> right, right. Like, man, big mood, my guy.
1: Like, I? <laughs> like I, I haven't done any kind of, like, depraved or perverted shit. How come I'm still turning 30? I should be youthful forever because I'm a good person. I don't have any illegitimate children children.
0: Yeah. No, I'm a like,
1: crazy womanizer.
0: But anyways, he's, like, sitting with Julian. Julian, who's, like, still kind of reeling from, like, his complete failure at talking to women. It's- Yep. and uh, Dusty's like you know what kid let me tell you like I'm about I'm gonna about tell you about the most powerful words of the world. these words can refute any argument they can <laughs> refute any philosophy they can they can destroy any rhetoric. these words will speak to the depth of your maturity and experience as a man. you can use these words at any time.
1: And you'll always win the arguments. These words are Dusty Sensei. <laughs>
0: yes, and Dusty says those words are, and I and I paraphr- paraphrase here. So what?
1: Yep. And
0: that's it. Just you know. Uh, so what? Yeah. So what, man? Yeah, like. So I'm a nobody. So so this war, so this war is what, what it been feels say morally irresponsible and tactically impossible. So what? Can't do that so anything what? worse. Can't get any yeah. worse. Like, fuck you. Like, you can't get any worse already. I'm like, doing this a uh, and a motherfucker. Exactly. So exact, exactly. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I like this a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yes. Like like Dusty points out, like, look, the Empire is always going to beat us out in. at being serious. They're always going to beat us they out are, because the Empire is still being so serious. serious.
1: They're drinking yes. poisoned wine. They're... <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: they, they they execute people by drinking poisoned wine, like, Reinhardt takes the, down statues...
1: A cop tells a child, gets to be a pilot, and we have confrontations over it, and we move on with our lives. Exactly. When a child becomes the, the, the uh, subject of a treason trial. Yes, and- yes, and nearly sent to a penal colony. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like... You know, this they is can't idea that, like... get over themselves! Right, the, yeah, the Empire can't get over themselves. Like, they are just as ridiculous as the FPA, but they insist, on, they demand on being taken seriously. Right. Which is, I think, what just makes us laugh it's
1: even it's more. It's like, the Dusty equivalent in the Empire had walked by and said to Thal and Mittermeier, I don't want to catch your impurity cooties... Like, when somebody might have actually... <laughs>
0: right, right. Like, they, somebody might have gotten fucking killed. Like, you know, like, I think that... I think this scene is a really great scene because it really shows, like, kind of the influence of Yang's leadership. Like, Yang has brought together some of the greatest minds, you know, greatest minds and bodies under him. And because of the implicit trust he has in them, he's allowed them to, like, kind of relax the military standards they hold themselves to. Because he knows that, like, these guys are at their best when... They're a little when they're being a little silly, like when they have room to like you know air out stress, right? Like yeah. if if Yang were stressed out, everybody else is going to be stressed out. And that's going to just going to make things even worse. But like by you know, making everybody kind of like more relaxed, we get to see like the more true sides of them, and uh, that's kind of what Dusty is arguing here. Like we'll never beat them in self seriousness, so we just got a clown on them. Yeah, and <laughs> the uh, it's it's great. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Thanks, and Dusty. Then, after this, after having a right. few drinks, yes. uh, Yang Young has gone to bed yeah. with Frederica. Just hear and, uh, a
1: fucking s- blood curdling scream from the other room. Just which like, Yang fucking <laughs> it's, it, The scream is. No, it uh, it really threw me off guard. Thinking like, did an infiltrator get in and kill someone? Like. <laughs> yeah,
0: like it's a it's this is a this is this is a death scream. Like this is not like as we find really? out as we find out. Uh, it's it's just Julian and he's trying to vent some stress because of like what's right, been going on like,
1: lately. Look, I've, that I've is not a, just shouted out of nowhere. But do sh- not a. Vent- <laughs> I don't shout like someone's killing me. Like- That's not a venting scream. That is a
0: death scream. <laughs> that is a death throes scream. I don't know what the hell <laughs> Julian must have had a lot of stress pent up. Right, but like Yang turns on the lights. And he's like, "All right, kid, what's going on?" <laughs> and Julian's just like, "I don't know, man. I just got. I just I'm had a, to let I'm it out. I'm an
1: immature human.
0: Yes, yeah, so I'm a fucking. I'm a dumb kid. I'm still a dumb kid. Sure, I brought down the Earth cult, but I'm still a dumb kid. Drop kicked the guy. I'm still a dumb child. I don't know. I, I captured. I, 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 I captured, a, I captured a, an Imperial cruiser almost single handedly, but I can't even talk to a girl my own age. <laughs> and Young's like." Want to drink? Let's sit and talk. drink. want to drink some more. How yeah. much alcohol is stored on Iserload? I do like how
1: it's all. Lab- now it's all labeled Alpha Seal whiskey.
0: <laughs> yes, it's very good. <laughs> it's like, like a. Like, it, like, detail. like the implication of, like, all right, we're going to need some supplies from Alpha Seal to bring to Iserload. Also, you're going to give us all of your alcohol. All we the need all of it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, basically, young and Julian kind of have a great heart to heart. All night. And. Yeah, they drink all night. They go through a whole bottle in a single night.
1: How can Yang Lee pull out his fucking speeches, drinking so much? I think.
0: I like guess I said, man. I think
1: just practice, practice, and the, the fact that he's a function—he's
0: a functional alcoholic. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, it's just yeah. It's like, and I think as the narrator kind of points out, like, funnily enough. The talk has nothing to do with girls because Yang has no advice to give on girls. <sighs> like Yang just lucked out into like having a chance meeting with a woman that would eventually like fall in love with him, and like just the sheer look of that woman being like the kindest, right. most accommodating, most forgiving, <laughs> most like just like just like, like compassion, just, just compassion, like like. Frederica is so out of Yang's league, it is not even funny. And, like, he just lucked into, like, happening to rescue her at Alpha Seal or whatever, yeah. and just, like, leading to her developing a lifelong infatuation with him. Because, like, other- otherwise, like, Yang,
1: Yang no probably chance. has...
0: Yang has less game than Julian, let's be real. <laughs> like, at least... At least Julian has, like, pop Con- Conventional, like... <laughs> I mean, A, he has a wingman like Poplin on his side helping him out, but also like, at least Julian, except for when Karen's around, is like conventionally like masculine in the way that like you know, like yeah. he's intelligent, but he also is compassionate but he's also a good fighter like her, whereas like Yang is just like a complete total fuck-up. Yeah. Like, like, there is nothing attractive about Yang. He's an alcoholic. He, he, he's lazy. Like, uh. So that's why Yang gives advice or has a conversation conversation with Julian that is more in the line of what he's good at, which is talking about philosophy and politics,
1: you know, uh, and just all that shit. Like Ryan, Kaiser Reinhard's a great leader. Yeah. maybe democracy is a bad guy because we're taking down you know a good government.
0: Yeah, and kind of kind of Yang basically just saying like at the end of the day, like I know democracy is not coming back in my lifetime. Like I've accepted that, but like I hope, I truly hope that maybe, just maybe, I'll put up a decent enough fight that democracy as an idea, democracy as an ideal, mm-hmm. can at least survive in some form in Reinhardt's future. But
1: also and that a terrible rationale to uh, to justify bloodshed in the present with by citing yes. potential danger in the future.
0: Yes, like right, it's just another one of those like Jan coming to terms with like all of like the multifaceted aspects of his character that like both motivate, but also
1: torment him, you know? Mm -hmm. So typical young stuff. Yeah. Basically, Uh, basically wants to preserve democracy in such a way that sure. Reinhard can continue his good work while he's still doing good work. But once he stops doing good work, democracy can rise again and take, take the right.
0: Like this idea, like, I mean, it's a thing that we've said time and time in this podcast that like, Reinhardt does good work, but there's no guarantee Reinhardt will always do good work. We have to remember, he's less, than, he's less than a decade into his rule. He's less than five years into less his rule. Less than two
1: years into his rule.
0: Like, we don't know what Reinhardt the Kaiser looks like in 10 years, or 20, or 30. Like, remember, he is ruler for life. And, like, we don't know if he's always going to remain the good ruler. And even if he does, we don't know if the ruler that comes after him is going to remain the good ruler. And that is why Yang believes democracy must be sustained because like eventually this benevolent autocratic rule is going to falter and there needs to be the people need to be able to seek an alternative yeah and it's like the idea that young is laying down his life for such a distant ideal is like I don't know man it's just so deeply tragic to me it's so mm-hmm. like Like, this idea that he's not even dying to save, like, any, like, existing tangible nation. Like, at best, maybe he earns some concessions for Seal. Right. But, like, realistically, at, at best... Yeah.
1: He wants to make things easier for people who live 100 years from now.
0: Yeah, like, people who, like, might not even know him. Like, might only read of him in a history book. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it really speaks to the kind of the man he is. And I think why we have all like, so like thoroughly fallen in love with him. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, uh,
1: the narrator says, this is an important realization for, for Julian that he understands that young, when Lee, this like unshakable pillar for him that he's followed for so long, doesn't have all the answers and, no, you know, yeah. worries about all of these things as well.
0: Totally. Totally. I mean, Again, it's kind of the, you know, in many ways, I think a long time ago, we had a conversation about how, like, the reason why Yang earns the loyalty of his subjects is because, or subjects, his subordinates is because of his honesty. And I still think that's true. I still think that Yang, on a level, is more authentic with his, with the people around him. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Reinhardt's thing is he constantly has to maintain this facade around all but the people he prizes the most, you know, Anna Rose, Kirky Eyes, now Emil von Sekla, I guess. <laughs> like, otherwise, like Reinhardt constantly has to be on, right? He constantly has to maintain the facade. But I think in many ways, I think Young maintains a facade as well. Like, the facade is a true part of him. Like, you know, the lazy trickster Yang. But I think in many ways, it kind of speaks to the pressures he's also under. Like, you know, he has a reputation of being the perfect tactician, right? The man who always has the answers. Yeah.
1: But it's like, we had that scene a few, a few podcasts ago where he's sitting and pretending to nap, while yeah, everyone else yeah. is like, "Good thing young Lindley's here to take us through it." Ha ha! What a jokester just napping. Yeah, like, and but the reality is, he's constantly
0: thinking about these kind of things. Like, like the real him is like this very. Anxious, like overthinking person mm. who like just constantly overanalyzes every word, every thought. But
1: uh a man constantly paralyzed by decision, who needs to <laughs> be put in terrible situations because yes. imagine something's chosen for him at least. Yes.
0: But uh finally the narrator says that this would be the last time Julian and Young ever talked through the night. Yep. And uh the
1: narrator continues to have no chill.
0: Why would you do this to me, narrator? Speaking of things I wish, why would this show do to me? We go back to uh, the Earth Cult yes. because the Earth Cult, as you might remember, has freed uh, Andrew Fork, yes. and they tell Andrew Fork that Yang plans on selling out the FPA to uh, Reinhard. That that Yang is actually an enemy of democracy. That Andrew Fork is the last one standing between 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 democracy and that. Andrew Fork, you have to kill Yang Wen Lee.
1: Save
0: democracy. Fucking... And I hate this. <laughs> I hate this. I swear to God, if this is actually what happens to Yang Wen Lee, I will fucking jump Andrew out Fork.
1: a window. I, I will fucking. Busted Andrew Fork out of prison because we just needed a man crazy enough to rush Yang Wen Lee with a knife.
0: Like. Like, I want to believe that Yang, or at least if not Yang, that the people around Yang are smart enough to not ever let Andrew Fort get with within even, like, 10 miles of Izerlone itself. Right. But, like, you know. But still have Yang's sidearm. You know, I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that'll come into play someday. But, uh... We'll, we'll see how good of a shot Bogdashu is, I guess. Uh, but yes, the Earth Cult, basically, or uh, De Villiers
1: basically comments that, like, you see, I'm, like, actually being, I'm actually doing a good thing, because right. otherwise, Andrew Fork's name would have just uh, disappeared in history, but... Right, he, he comments that... If he kills uh, Young, Young Wyn Wyn Lee, man. then uh, he gets to go down in history as the man who killed Young Wyn Lee.
0: Yes, he states that great men like Reinhardt and Young, regardless of whether they died earlier or not, would be remembered as great men. But people like Andrew Fork, who don't have the skills, who don't have the means, and don't have the personality or the willpower to achieve such things then this assassination is an easy way for them to be remembered in history. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's not wrong. You know, there's a reason why, you know, almost any American can name, you know, fucking, you know, uh, Booth or uh, Oswald, you know. Mm -hmm. but
1: uh, Yep. And so uh, Dusty submits the third draft of their uh, response to Admiral Buttenfeld. Yes. yes. The first draft was too vulgar. The second draft was too violent. Uh, So here's the third draft which is yes literally like hey admiral Bittenfield, you keep fucking up you suck uh you're weak uh you He's have just roasting the shit yeah. out of binfield like the this specific line is
0: to the esteemed admiral binfield whose right whose rank rises with every growing failure <laughs> like <laughs> yeah and and like and like fucking i think is it is it shenkop it's like Shenko was like, uh, the grammar's wrong on this part. Like, this is not proper prose. And uh, Dusty, Dusty admits, you okay. know, like, like, Binfield's too fucking stupid to understand good prose. So this is perfect. And Yang is like, Dusty, I love what you're trying here. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if Binfield's dumb enough to fall for this. Right, we're kind of, and like, we're then...
1: We're all kind of like arguing over, like, whether the plan's gonna work, basically. And then...
0: We finally hear, for the first time in a while, Murkatz. Murkat is like, if you'll allow me, as somebody who is a former Empire Admiral, I can tell you a thing or two about overzealous Imperial Admirals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think, I think Bittenfield actually might be dumb enough to fall for this. <laughs> and if we're lucky, we could take out Bittenfield and Fahrenheit's fleets before Reinhardt even gets here. Mm-hmm. and like it's worth the shot all of a sudden we have suddenly very much evened up the playing field mm-hmm. and uh yeah and so, and, like- and merckat also states which is a little a little sneaky but also technically not illegal in warfare Murkat says if we if we sort our fleet so that they arrive right after bidfield has received the message because like we don't want to give bitfield time to think it over right uh-huh. if, if Bitfield gets that message, there might be like people, there might be officers in Binfield's like ship that are rational enough to be like, if they're like, yeah. like, put, their, put their arms around Binfield, like hold them back and be like, no, Binfield, don't fall
1: for it. But if, well, if someone's coming at you, like they're going to have to counterattack, yes.
0: Right. If, if Binfield gets that letter and then gets the announcement, um, S.P.A. fleet incoming, like go. Binfield, will, Binfield will probably take the bait. And because Binfield takes the bait, Fahrenheit will have to follow because he can't afford to let Binfield get isolated. And then all of a sudden, again, like it's not, you know, again, he still has to contend with, you know, (laughs) Mecklinger, Wallen, Mittermeier, (laughs) Reinhardt.
1: He still has to deal with the rest of the fucking
0: galaxy but it evens up things just a little bit. And also might send a psychological attack message through the rest of Reinhardt's fleet. Yep. They're like, hey, you guys are not immortal. I'm motherfucking Yangwen Lee. And <laughs> magician, source of disease. I, I am the magician. You would do well to fear my power. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so, uh, the mess episode ends with Dusty sending that message to Binfield.
1: <laughs> all right, they... Uh... Yep, send it. And Nari uh, says the Battle of the Corridor is going about to begin.
0: Yes, it's. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. I I can't handle it. It's so good. Like every... I, if they somehow keep coming up with all these great plans to just as as Dusty putting it to 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 beat the Empire with foppery and whim Indeed. just constantly clown on them in the greatest ways imaginable. And uh, yes, I am very excited for
1: uh for what's to come. As much as Lord I Lord. am
0: equally anxious about what is to yeah,
1: come. we're entering the climax of season three. Like Yeah, yeah, we're getting there. And a bit less than ten episodes left. Yeah. Uh, uh we are truly
0: getting into it. Um but uh but yeah I think uh, with all of that said I think that's going to be a podcast. You yeah. know, I think we're going to uh, close up here. Arrow,
1: uh, do you have any closing thoughts about these three episodes? Mm, I am... I mean, of course, I'm curious to see how the battle goes uh, coming up, but... Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, like, every time I feel like I didn't know where the show's going, they pull some shit out, like Andrew Fork. Yeah. No, 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 sure. off
0: Fucking believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, before. I
0: think that this, one of the strongest aspects of Legend of the Galactic Heroes is its ability to constantly, like, you know, uh, upend and escalate the status quo. Yeah. You know like nothing ever like stays in place because people never stay in place. And I think that it's a, a, a principle the show has a really keen understanding of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like you. I'm very curious about where things go from here. I really. I I am because I wonder if this is gonna be the last of the things Yang does in the lead up to the Islerloan battle. Mm. I wonder if there might be other things Young tries to do to kind of slowly balance the things, you know, balance the scales in his favor, you know. Right. Because uh as it is now, it is very hard for me to imagine how Yang could win this fight. But, you know, again, I mean, if I Yang takes out Bittenfield, if he takes out Fahrenheit, I I agree. I'm not sure I, I don't believe he's gonna win this fight, but I wonder if how close this fight might get because of what Young does, if that makes sense, you yeah. know. Like, say he does manage to take Binfield and Fahrenheit off the board. Let's say, maybe he does something to Mecklinger on the other side. All of a sudden, like, sure, like Young is still at a distinct, you know, disadvantage, but like things get a little murkier, you know. What miracle
1: will Miracle Young pull out of his hat? Exactly.
0: And I think with that, uh, I think we're going to get into the housekeeping going to do this quick because we have a lot to get through. So as always, you can read and listen to all of our content on theglorioblog.com. You can follow us on Twitter at theglorioblog. You can listen to this podcast on uh, Podbeam, Spotify, wherever else podcasts are uh, stored. You can also listen to the podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can watch uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. It is streaming on High Dive and VRV. Uh, please uh, consider listening to our sister podcasts, the Glorio chat, where we talk about currently airing anime Um, where, you know, I think our most recent one, we are uh, talking about the, uh, the, this kind of upcoming season of anime, kind of our first thoughts on what's come out so far. Also feel free to listen to our uh, Glorio Euro correspondence. uh, uh, Glorio's King of the Kaiju. I think a new episode of that is supposed to be coming out soon. And, uh, Oh, and also listen to our uh, <laughs> our, our, our soon-to-be closing, soon-to-be ending, but uh, we still got a few left in the can, our uh, our uh, Neon Genesis Glorio, our uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion kind of recap and reactions podcast. And I think now with all of that said, <laughs> I think that takes care of everything. So as always, thank you all so much for listening. Uh Iro as always. Thank you for accompanying me on this journey.
1: Uh thank you. Uh Viva Democracy.
0: Yes, Die Kaiser. And until next time, we will see you amongst the sea of stars.